Have your Bibles. Let's turn to Acts chapter 12. We're going to read a... Well, we're going to read a couple of verses eventually here, but let's read in verse 9 so we can at least get our, our text. And he went out. So we're in Acts 12, verse 9. <clears throat> and... I'm going to preach tonight from this subject, almost too good to be true. Almost too good to be true. And he went out and followed him. And wist not that it was true. <laughs> Which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. So we're going to use that as our text tonight. But before we do, and uh, for those of you that are nervous that I'm going to preach all night. Let's pray the Lord will have his way, not my way, but the Lord's way. Could we do that? Lay your Bibles down. Let's pray. Father, we ask tonight that you would anoint your word in our hearts, Lord. We feel the presence of God. We have a great a task before us. Father, we have much to do, and we pray that we're ready and up to the task. Lord, I ask that it will not be our will or our way or who we are, or what we are, but it will be all about you, Lord. We give you praise because you are awesome and mighty and you are moving in this place. And we give you praise. And everyone said amen. Amen. Almost too good to be true. Hallelujah. You can be seated. We're going to um, uh, take a look here at miracles in the book of Acts, which include the saving of the greatest enemy of the church. His name was Saul. He was blinded by the light, sent to Ananias, received the Holy Ghost, and eventually became writer of two-thirds of the New Testament. All that time, while the apostle Paul was being formed in the spirit as a great leader, Peter was finding that Gentiles could be saved when the gospel was revealed to Cornelius. And so that brings us almost to our Pretty close to our text, of course, Cornelius, the revelation to Cornelius is chapter 10 and 11. So it took the miraculous to make the church international. And sometimes God has to lead us to a particular level so that we're ready for what he wants to do. Anybody know that's true tonight? Praise God. I, I'll say amen to myself. It's okay. But it, sometimes God has to get us ready for what he's really trying to do. And if we're not careful, we will live below our privileges in the Holy Ghost. God has a plan for us, and he wants to use us. In fact, many times God has led a man who was supposed to lead his people but moved him somewhere else because they were not ready for what God intended to happen. So it's vital that we, not just the ministry, but that we allow God to do his supernatural work. Is anybody here hungry for a supernatural move of God? Some of us say that with a yawn. Oh, and I don't mean if you're tired, you're yawning. I'm not, I don't mean that. I'm not looking to say somebody's yawning. Because in any given moment, in any service, somebody's yawning. I'm just kidding. Um, Sister French, don't look at me, okay? I'm going to try to preach this. All right, so people yawn all the time. I don't mean it actually. I mean it that people yawn their way through when they're trying. What they're saying is, just think if you said, I love you, hon. I love you, hon. I love you, hon. What would that mean to her? Not a lot. Because when you really mean something, you don't say it with a yawn. I'm making all of you yawn. We all know that if you yawn, everybody yawns. But you understand that sometimes we have to move ourselves in the spirit. And the spirit is trying to take us to new levels. There was a third blow 
that would turn the Jewish church, that is the, the Christian Jewish believers, upside down. So we had Paul who was persecuting the church and God saved the greatest enemy. We had the entire Gentile world welcomed into the apostolic movement. And that was hard for them. That was, that was hard. You know, sometimes what God wants to do is hard for us. But a third blow was Herod's attempt to obliterate Christianity. This, of course, was not Herod the Great. This was the grandson of Herod the Great, but that doesn't matter. Anyway, it was Herod, and he decided that he was going to go after the church. And the first to die was James. Now, sometimes the, uh, the losses are almost too much to bear. And every once in a while, you just have to get on your knees and say, Lord, I, I don't want there to be losses. I can't bear it when your people are hurting. I don't want to see them suffer. I can't absorb it. There have been times I've even told God, Lord, I don't know if this is my calling because I'm not a person that easily absorbs the, the heartaches that people are feeling. Sometimes the tears well up and it's not possible to hold them back. And James, the Bible says, was killed and of course, being, we, we might as well say was very specific in verse 2 of this chapter that James was, Herod killed him by the sword, which we were going to have to admit that this is a fairly common expression in the ancient world for his beheading. And so it was that James, now there were several James, we know that, we, we the proper way to say it is there were several Jameses in the Bible and and uh, this was not the James that became pastor in Jerusalem because he's still alive in chapter 15 but it is James the brother of John so these twin they weren't twins but they <laughs> I was about to say these twin brothers I didn't mean it literally they were twin uh, zealots, as it were. James and John, they were called sons of thunder, and Jesus often spoke of them. And they were like right hand to, um, to the Lord. In fact, John became the revelator. He became also known as the beloved which are ways of saying that he was unique and he was very close to Jesus. And I suppose that it was easy for many to say that, um, oh my goodness, what is happening here? If anybody would have been protected, it would surely have been John's brother. Don't tell me they got James. I, I can hear it through the church. And sometimes it's almost too much to bear and then of course had it been a heart attack or whatever but for it to be the kind of death that was actually uh the sweeping blow of a maniac leader so that's hard for many to to bear and they fully intended to kill peter in the same sweep they thought we'll just take them all out and uh, we'll we'll get Peter if we can get if we can get Peter then we'll we'll stomp this thing out completely and don't think there weren't saints that were worried about it and don't think there weren't leaders in the church that were worried about it they were worried about it they were losing their greatest leaders and God was trying to say to them in the midst of it all I'm gonna show you that I am greater than any king any potentate I am greater and my church is greater and straightway they arrested Peter the most I think we can all agree the most prominent of the Christian leaders 
So the sons of Zebedee were no more. John would then become the great exile to Patmos and all that we know about John and the Revelation and all of that. But all after the loss of his, his dear brother. Things were looking rough for the young Pentecostal movement. Now, I'm not doing this to wake us up. I, I really wondered if this would be appropriate. So I'll only take a second to make a case that what God does here in Acts 12 is akin to the ex common expression that seeing... I'm going to give you a couple expressions here, see if you're familiar with them. If not, you don't have to say, oh, no, I, I'm not familiar with it, you know, and run out. I'm just wondering if you might be familiar with it. For example, <coughs> the expression, <laughs> the expression, see if you know this. If you run out screaming, I won't give any more. A picture is worth a thousand words. Anybody heard that expression? All right, that was a lot of you, and I don't hear any screaming. So a picture's worth a thousand words. <clears throat> I'm gonna give you an example this last week on April the 11th, um, or, or the expression, we could think of several, but here's another one that comes to my mind, seeing you ever heard this? Seeing is, see, you've heard the, that's an expression common to most parts of this country. So you say seeing is believing. Uh, you can hear about it. You can read about it. But a picture is worth a thousand words. See, that, that's what I'm getting at. And so it was here that sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's almost too good. It's almost impossible to believe it. Okay, so I'm going to give you an example. Now, I know you're not going to like it. I'm going to do it quick. New York Daily News, April 11th. Doctor dragged from United Airlines. <laughs> I don't know. I hear laughter. It must be the Lord's, the joy of the Lord. I'm just reading the headline. Doctor dragged from United Airlines flight. Dr. David Dao, 69 years old, from Kentucky, was in Chicago, and uh, was dragged off a flight. Has anybody here heard about this story? Let me see. I, no, I, this is a little thing. I just wonder if you heard about a doctor that was dragged off of a United flight. Just wave your hand like that. I just want to see. See, what I should have said is, is there anybody who hasn't heard? See, that's what I should have done. But I did that on purpose because I'm only mentioning this to demonstrate that a picture, to see it, is worth a thousand descriptions. Dr. Dao was 69, and he refused to give up his seat uh, for um, overbooked flight. It's not funny. I, I'm sorry, Sister French. I'm sorry, Sister French. I'm trying not to. I'm doing, I'm really doing my best. All right. So he was dragged from a flight. He received a concussion. So I can describe it. A broken nose that I'm reading from the New York Daily News. If they're wrong, I'm wrong. I'm simply reading it. 
A broken nose requiring reconstructive surgery. That's because he was, it was an overbooked flight. They did something, said four of you got to get off of here, and he didn't want to get off, so that's what happened. And several things, including b losing both of his front teeth. Now, since then, that's horrible. <clears throat> it is uh, uh, dreadful. But what follows is absolute proof that seeing, see, I'm, try, I'm not trying to prove the saying, I'm trying to get back to our story. Since the, the 11th, and today is what? The, whatever today is. That's, has that been about 10 days? Wouldn't we be close to 10 days? Okay. So 10 days ago, we could more or less say this occurred. Since then, and $8 million later, because they have now announced the lawsuit and so forth and all of that, and United Airlines has issued, this is not an anti-airline, I'm simply reading a story almost everyone in this room knew of it for one reason see that is my only point united has issued this statement here it's a five-letter statement it will never happen again that's the statement it will never happen again why did they issue that when they first issued well we this man should have got off you know whatever now they're issuing a statement i'm going to tell you why it's called public outrage. China had so many, because this man has a Chinese background, they say it was the number one most known event in the world because one man, now there were more, I'm talking about the first, one man picked up his phone I don't even have, where is my phone? <laughs> I'm sure the Lord knows where it's at. And recorded it. Literally millions of people saw that event themselves. Now I haven't. I'm talking about it. I'm not referring to it because I saw it. Something impacted my life. I'm simply referring to a story which is simply uh, interesting and odd. But here is the simple truth. One of the number one carriers in the world lost in 24 hours. Look it up. One billion dollars. Because of one picture. Of a man and his circumstances it circled the globe and even tonight we sometimes say it went viral and so millions upon millions and millions of people have been impacted by seeing what they would never have even they may have heard of it i'm not i'm not here to judge how impactful it would have been without the photo but i will guarantee you it was the fact that someone saw it with their own eyes that they then became involved emotionally and so today we have the new york uh what was that not the times but the daily the new york daily what would have been almost unbelievable, unbelievable, became embedded in people's sympathy and in their minds. I'm not here, I'm not weighing in, I'm not suggesting this is the right, the wrong, uh, whether you should have a lawsuit for eight million, I'm not here to judge it. I'm simply telling you it's a reality today. What 10 days ago did not exist, exists today because the eyes were able to behold what otherwise would not have been seen. And so it is, my friend. Every once in a while, God wants to show us something. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Come on, I now get off the plane. Here we go. Stay with me. Every once in a while, God wants to show us something so that our faith will be brought to a new level. He wants us to recognize that he is able. 
that God is able. Hallelujah. Let's clap our hands and praise him just a little bit. Praise you, Jesus. Now, I'm tempted, of course, this entire chapter 12 is, is fabulous and, and tremendous. But let's just, let's read a bit here. Verse 8, and the angel said unto him, of course, they had arrested Peter. And we know from just a few moments earlier that Herod intended right then, it was almost, I'm going to, I'm taking a bit of liberties here, but it was like it was almost the moment when they were going to drag Peter out and they were going to, I have to assume, execute him. They were going to take care of it. They were going to make it a public example. They were going to bring it all out. You know, every once in a while, the devil thinks he's really done something. But I've got news for the devil. We have a God that is greater than he. So the angel said to him, comes walking in there, gird thyself and Bind on thy sandals. I'm reading the King James. And so he did. And he, he saith unto him, cast thy garment about thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him, walked right out of the prison and wist not that it was true. Do you see that there? Are they showing it? Blah, 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 blah. And wist not. That's pretty, that's fairly that's fairly old English to say they wist not. I, I don't, I don't, I've never heard a modern English individual, either here or overseas, that would say he wist not. It's not a common expression, but it's just the old English way of saying he did not know that it was real. He thought he was dreaming it. He thought he was in a state of... Uh, 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 like a vision he was the, the lord was showing him the, and he's walking around you know every once in a while it's just almost unbelievable and i'm telling you tonight god is wanting to show the apostolic tabernacle that he's able to give us the desires of our heart uh, he's able to do it that's the power of god the almost unbelievable yet it's real of course, we know, I'm, and I'm skipping all of that. I'm trying to hurry. I'm not going to go long. But, uh, but sometimes, you know, we think, oh, that happened just because God decided. No, I'm going to tell you what happened. Three times the Bible tells us in that short little incident that the church began to pray with all of their might. Something got a hold of them, and they begin to trust God. How many knows that prayer changes things? Thank you, Jesus. Of course, prayer also means that you're, you're in sync with the spirit so it's so unbelievable as it were I don't believe for a minute that Peter was in a stupor that he was so tired uh, I, I, I just don't I, I, I know that's possible but I don't believe it I don't believe it just so it's such a stupor that he was walking around angels leading him around the house I mean the <laughs> The, uh, the prison, and, and he didn't wake up good enough to realize that was an angel. No, sir, no, sir. He, he was absolutely, otherwise, why would he think he was seeing a vision if he was walking in his sleep? You're following me here? If he's just walking in his sleep, you know, where's the, where's the cocoa? Then uh, that, that didn't require him to think it was a vision. He saw the angel. He knew it was happening, and it was almost too good to be real. He thought, maybe I'm seeing this. This must be something else. This must be a, a vision or something. And that, my friend, is what Holy Ghost revival is all about. Where the church is allowing the spirit to lead and do what it chooses to do. I believe tonight God wants us to make the determination in our spirits that the Holy Ghost can do what it wants to do. I want to do what God wants me to do. It depends and all depends on whether you're listening to Herod or you're listening to the Holy Ghost. Herod may be bold, he may be strong, he may be king, but the Holy Ghost is more powerful. You can get your focus on failures and feelings and disappointments or you can get your eyes on what is really real. Praise God. So when you say he wished not that it was true, 
Let me, let me give you a good translation. I'm just, giving, I'm just kind of making sure we take this step here. He didn't know if it was really real. He wished, let's keep the King James. He wished not, where is it? He wished not that it was real. What if it were just a vision or a dream and so on? So he had those few moments. Sometimes, anybody here ever been in the Holy Ghost so powerful that you just, what, you weren't actually sure whether this was God, what is going on here? You know what I believe God wants to do? He wants to bring us to the place where the Holy Ghost is so real, it's hard to believe it. Praise God. Amen. Hey, folks, listen to me. Come on, come on. I'm preaching. You can get so comfortable in your little place. You're afraid somebody's going to get your spot. And you're so stuck there that you can't yield yourself to what God is trying to do. Mm, good preaching. That's good preaching. Brother. Yeah, Brother Fred. Hallelujah, Brother Fred. See, we can get so comfortable nobody can move us. We can't even think about what, the, what might be and what might be in, uh, unbelievable as it were. Because we're so sad. That's just another way of saying we're satisfied. You know, I love the Lord, bless God, and people are going to go to hell anyway, so I'm, I'm satisfied. If we're satisfied, then we will never experience this level of the miraculous. But I got a feeling the apostolic tabernacle is not satisfied. We want to see Holy Ghost revival that moves us from the front to the back, where people get the Holy Ghost setting right in this pew. I've gotten calls this week from people that said, I've been to your church. I don't understand it, but I want the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Someone said, well, then they ought to come and get it. They're not going to hunger for it if we are satisfied. No, sir, they won't. But because we're not satisfied, you see, the angel was real. <laughs> Praise God. Just like there are real angels here. And some of you think it's just Brother French flexing his voice and he's got a little sermon going on. But there are angels in this place and they are real and it may almost be too good to believe, but it is true. They're here. And I see in this same analogy, your unsaved loved ones walking out of their prison cells. The devil's convinced them of everything, bound them by all kinds of things. But I see something that is real tonight. I see your loved ones delivered from sin by the power of a holy God and the moving of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Too good? Too good for believability? I can hear you. I hear you. That's too good to be believed. You're just trying to motivate us. Uh, there's not a thing in the world wrong with motivating. And if I were doing it, I wouldn't have to be ashamed of it. I'm not saying it because I want to merely motivate someone. I am telling you tonight that by faith, I can see your loved one walking into the house of God with such a change. They have been led through the gate. They have been marching down the street because the impossible has become the reality. Their faith is ignited by your faith. And Herod thinks he will make an example out of the apostle with John's brother as exhibit A. That's what the devil thinks. The devil thinks that we're going to sit by and let him destroy our brothers. And we're not going to do it. We have faith in God Almighty. He's going to stand on our side. Cancer is going to yield to our command in the name of Jesus. It is going to happen. Praise God. 
Praise God. We all know if our motive is wrong, God won't hear us. We all know if we're doing it for our own uh, promotion and advancement, God's not going to hear us. If we're faking, you know, we've got all these. That's just so hard to believe. It's so hard to believe. I believe that God is bringing the tabernacle to a brand new place. He has a purpose for us. We don't fully understand it. I want to tell you, folks, I've been preaching meetings. I beg God not to have me. Don't make me go. I don't want to preach it. I want to stay home. I want to do what I love. But God's got a purpose that's bigger than we are. God's got a purpose that opens the door to the impossible. His will and his way. In fact, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. I could see clearly that John would have every reason to grieve at the loss of James. It would make sense as no, there would be nobody to criticize it if John were to cry out and say, it's ridiculous, Lord. My brother lost his life in this horrid way. It would be easy for us to look around at what's real and see only the real that hurts us. And far too many of us have been paying way too much attention to the pain and the trouble that the enemy has placed in our view. I'm not suggesting you should pretend it's not there, but I am suggesting you ought to have enough faith to believe that God is bigger than that problem. He is bigger than that difficulty, whatever it may be. Satan thinks that he has our dreams safe, safely locked away, away behind unyielding bars that will yawn our way without ever committing. But, devil, I want to... Uh, tell you tonight prayer will unlock the door somebody is praying somebody is believing for the impossible Hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, I want to say this. I want to say it. I want to preach it, then we're done. I'm, I'm going to stop. But I want to tell you now, now, I don't know what they prayed. I don't know how they prayed it. it, it we're not given exact detail. They may have prayed, Lord, send an angel, send a bunch of angels. But it only took one. You see, we think that it's so hard. In fact, I, I'm, I'm going to even go further. Lord, I, don't let me get too bizarre here. Please, Lord, I know I'm in control of my own spirit, but, but help me, Lord. I don't even know. Okay, 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 Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm getting it. I'm not sure that it required that angel to be there. I'm not suggesting it could have been different, should have been different. But I'm not so sure that God couldn't have done the same miracle and they never see that angel. I'm not sure. So, Lord, that's, that's all I'm saying. I'm not sure that it absolutely required. Now, 
Did God choose to send an angel? And did the angel do several things? Yes. And was that important? Yes. I'm not disparaging one thing that happened here. What I'm trying to tell you is when God got ready to move, he just sent one angel in there. <laughs> he sent one angel in there and said, come on, Herod. You think you're going to stop this church? You're not stopping this church. You don't have the power to stop this church. You just thought you killed James, but you're not stopping this church. You think you've got John discouraged. You just wait till they try to boil him in oil and you'll see whether you've gotten him discouraged. All you've done is stirred up the fire that's in his bosom. You've called the apostle Peter to begin to wait on you, Lord. Praise God. Can we just clap our hands? I'm almost done. Thank you, Jesus. So it just took... One angel and all of hell's plans were put on hold. That angel did six things in less than six seconds. He stood right next to the sleeping apostle. He turned on a heavenly light through the whole prison. That's how I interpret it. I can't be absolutely sure. But that's how I'm reading it. Boom. Lights came on. A prison that was known for its dankness and its darkness where instruments of bondage were everywhere would hold a man up to the moment of his execution. And sometimes they would execute him right there, but if you really wanted to really be tough, you'd take him out in the public and let everybody see it. But the light of the Holy Ghost via an angel of heaven. Now, if I've got my facts right, Peter's asleep. And uh, I'm still pondering after all these years, whether these guards are dead, are they knocked out of commission? Are they going, blah, 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 what are they doing? Because we know there was a, a quadrinian uh, inside and guards outside. There were two levels, two posts where there were guards right there to get you good. They just walked on by. What am I saying tonight? God's able to handle whatever you're facing. God knows exactly what is coming to your life. And he shines the, the light of the Holy Ghost. Now, folks, if you don't believe the light is able to dispel the darkness, that's our problem. But if you believe that light is greater than darkness and you love him, he is the light of the world. It shines greatest in the glory of the Holy Ghost. Number three, he smote him. That's King James. Uh, uh, and this is maybe the most intriguing. Why did he smack? Uh, uh, smack is not the right word. Uh, he hit him. Would that work? He, he struck him. Does that sound within reason? He smote. Does the King James say smote? Smote him. That's, that's an English way of saying he struck him on the side. Not in the face. He didn't say smack, 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 smack. He didn't do that. He smote him. He struck him. He hit him on the side. Whammo. I don't know. I, I'm just like that. But do you believe every word that's in the Bible? I mean, there was no reason to tell us that he, he smote him on the side, that he smacked him on the side, unless there's a reason to tell us that he, that he standing there turns the lights on all over the place and he's still asleep. And, and then he, he, he hits him on the side. 
And then he wakes him. And I can imagine him stirring. Oh, what, 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 what? And his eyes open. He's awake. And then he speaks these words. And I'm going to put it in a, well, it, it's, it's, King James is fine, but I'm not looking at him and put it in my words. Get up. Quick. Come on, quick, quick, quick. That's the way I do it. See, I'd use my hand like this. I don't know if the angel was doing that. He might have been. It depends on if he had a personality like I have. Sister French, if you were saying, get up, do you do that? Quick, quick, quick. No. Do I do that a lot? See? Don't, don't be so quick to answer that. Uh, quick, 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 get up. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, what are you doing? Come on, come on. Everybody, come on, come on, come on, come on. I doubt he was doing that. I mean, I'm just saying. Now, if he had a personality like mine, he was. He was saying, come on, come on, get up, come on, come on, get up. See, but that, that would be more a human emotion. I'm not trying to put that into the angel here. Forgive me, Lord. But he does say to him, I'm going to slow it down here. We can't do this at your pace. You got to speed things up. You got to jump up from there because I'm an angel and I'm going to do something for you like you have never seen before. It is going to be the ride of your life. See, I'm, I'm saying all this. That's not actual in the text. So if, if you're hearing this somewhere in, 10,000 years from now, I'm not trying to pretend the Bible said those exact words, but that's exactly the implication of get up fast. We've got to do something now, and you've got to heed what I'm telling you. And then the last thing he did was as he stood up to get out of that bed, the Bible says the chains that were holding him, they were fastening him. There was no way to uh, get out of them, but they, the Bible says they fell. That's another way of saying they had no hold on him whatsoever. They slid off as easy as taken, easier than gloves. They slid off from him like dead weights, all while the apostle is rubbing his eyes. Church, I want to tell you something. Our God is able to wake us up in every circumstance and do the impossible and show us that he is a God of might and of power. Praise God. Let's stand together. I feel like the Holy Ghost is trying to remind us that if he has to knock the guards out, then he can do it. The angel just led the apostle right past them, whatever their state, into the city, out a great gate. And as the angel led them down the street, he suddenly disappeared. And the AV says that he came to himself. Can you say that with me? He came to himself, which is itself an idiom, and it's not directly from the Greek. So what I'm trying to tell you is that's a translation. He came to himself. But what one translation says, he came to his senses. That's almost exactly the same idiom. He came to himself. He was wondering, this must be a vision. And all of a sudden, he realized, wait a minute, this is not, it seems impossible. It seems too good to be true. How can this be real? But it was real. We're going to wake up in the middle of a Holy Ghost revival that is bigger than we are. Can we lift our hands and say yes to the Lord? Father, I praise you. I praise you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So what seemed almost too good to be believable takes root in the heart. And that's what's happening to the church. Peter says, it is true. The angel has delivered me. The seemingly unbelievable, the impossible has become a reality. Praise God. I wonder if we could do this. I know that uh, we're going we're gonna to dismiss in just a moment. And I'll tell you more about that in a second. But I wonder if we could just, um, let's do it this way. I, I don't want to, Lord, I don't want to miss your will. But I wonder if you could find somebody close to you that you could just kind of agree together with. In other words, kind of walk over somewhere where a brother and a brother, a sister and a sister, you could pray or maybe your family, whatever, whatever you want to do. 
And I want us to ask God tonight to give us the faith, to give us the faith to see angels work in our midst. Lord, when it's almost. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So he, he gets, listen, he gets out of the jail, the prison. He goes to the home of Mary and he pounds on the door and Rhoda comes to the door. And she hears the voice of Peter. And he's saying, it's me, it's Peter. She knew him. She was so elated. The Bible says she was so filled with joy that she leaves him standing there and she goes and tells the rest of the church, Peter is at the door. And they said, no way. That's not possible. Does anybody remember what they said it was? Does anybody remember what they said it was? They agreed. The Greek says they determined. So even though the King James doesn't reflect it clearly, they determined among themselves that whoever that was at the door couldn't be Peter. But it probably was his angel. They believed it was his angel. But they couldn't believe it was the Apostle Peter. You know why? Because at that moment, it was more likely an angel would visit them at the door than the Apostle Peter would ever get out of prison. But that's the kind of God we serve. I wonder if anybody has faith to believe right now that God's going to do the impossible in your life and in your family. Let's pray with one another, mom, dads, husbands, wives. Let's just pray right now. Father, I thank you because the impossible, Lord, is going to take place in the midst of your people. Lord, I pray for young people that are going to be so energized that it's going to shock people, that people are going to walk in these doors that's going to shock people. We praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Woo! Hallelujah, hallelujah. Everything's all right. Everything's all right. Everything's all right. Everything's all right. Hallelujah. Okay, hold on, hold on. Now, that's gorgeous, that's gorgeous. Um, okay, so I get a card this morning. Brother, Brother T, you check it out. If I'm wrong, you let me know. All right, so I get a card this morning. We had so many cards, we couldn't even recognize all the guests. This morning, that, and I'm not talking Easter. I'm talking today. And so they bring it up to me. <laughs> and you see if you remember this. And I look at it. And I want to run right out that door. And I think, Lord, if I run out the door, folks are going to go, he ran out the door. And it said, where it says, uh, I don't know what it says, but so, let's just say, uh, this is my way of describing it. Who invited you? Are you a guest of so-and-so? And people will say, I'm a guest of Brother and Sister McGee or Brother and Sister Pope or whatever. And then they write that out there. And then sometimes they write me little notes, right? Right? They write me little notes. Different things. I can't tell you about all the notes. But today, the note said, I was driving by and the Holy Ghost told me to come in here. <laughs> Sometimes an angel at the door is easier to believe than a person driving by and God having his way. And they were in this altar. I talked to them after church. They were in this altar. They could have run out. They could have said, well, they're a bunch of wild people. But they didn't. They were in this altar. And I don't know if you remember a prophecy that came over this podium just in the last few days. They said they're driving by. They're driving by. They're going to walk in that door. Now, I didn't know they going to write me the note. I don't know what made them think. 
they may not even know the pastor gets those. I don't know. I was driving by and God told me, go in that church. <laughs> now church, if he can do that, he can talk to your unsaved family. He can do miracles for your neighbor. Let's lift our hands one more time. Father, we thank you for it. Almost too good to be real, but it is real. <laughs> hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Sure, we had disappointments and they've died by the sword and troubles here and there, but you're still mightier than any force of hell. You're more powerful than any angel or any evil that comes against us. Deliver us, oh God, and let your glory be with us and let us rejoice in it. Don't let it become commonplace. Lord, don't let it become commonplace to us. Two things, I'm done. Two things that worry me. <laughs> that we will become too, too familiar with the Holy Ghost. And speaking in tongues will just be familiar to us. And I want you to know that doesn't please me. If the Holy Ghost grieves me and says, you're getting too familiar, it's too common. My soul says, oh Lord, forgive me. I don't want to just take your grace and say, oh well, like a carton of milk, stick it in the fridge. No Lord, I want to always have the awe of the grace of God. And secondly, that our holiness becomes all too familiar. And we say, well, that's just what we've always done. Him, ha, him, ha. When in fact, holiness is the reflection of God in our lives. And we need to hold it dear to our hearts.